Sarah Koki, who is with us this morning, and Jamal is a fourth-year student at Nyack College and has just been awarded a prestigious fellowship at the Bard Conservatory of Music in Conducting. That's no surprise to us. And uh, in this time that we're asking God to give us a, a worship director, he's helping us out here along the way, and uh, we are so blessed to have you here leading us this morning. Thank you very much. And his, his friend Leah Hamlin is with us. She's here also. Leah, thank you for making the long drive across the Tappan Zee Bridge to be with us. Maggie Laska, where are you? If you would come join me up here for a quick announcement. Yesterday was the, the party at, uh, at the Roosevelt uh, Presbyterian Church uh, down in Uniondale, and all the angel gifts that you gave were distributed except... Except for five families that I still have remaining. We had a great party. And, um, and it's just a fine example of how God is in control because we lost our big space that we have. We have great meeting space, and someone passed away, and they needed that space for another purpose. So we had to kind of cuddle down tight quarters in the basement, but God was in control. It was a beautiful thing. And I want to also just extend a thank you to Miklos, who suggested and recommended the... Um, uh, uh, Hungarian Baptist youth group from Manhattan to perform at this function, and they were such a hit. They were just absolutely fabulous, and they really added to the party, so thank you, Miklos, for that. So I do have um, five families left, and I would love some people from this congregation to volunteer to deliver those gifts, because we make a commitment that all children whose gifts uh, are waiting, that they get to the right place. So I have two families in Westbury, two families in Wyandanch, which is Suffolk County, and one family in Elmont, which is right on the Queens border in Nassau. So if uh, some people here would like to volunteer to deliver those gifts to their homes, uh, please see me right after the service in my pew right there. Thank you so much for participating this year. It was a great success. 73 children. Thank you. That's beautiful, Maggie. Praise the Lord. Thank you for that. The, um, these are children, if you're our guest today, whose parents are in, in the Nassau County Jail, and their Christmas would be muted were it not for your gifts and your kindness to them. And it's a small expression of the reaching arms of Jesus into families that are struggling. And Maggie, your leadership in this is so appreciated. I know you don't want any accolades, but you are someone who has a hand that is the hand of God reaching into the lives of people who are hurting and struggling. And we all want to participate in that with you. Let's bow our heads and pray, shall we? Our Father, we thank you that as we go and tell it on the mountain and over the hills and everywhere that King Jesus has been born. The humble king has come. But he does not go to high and grand palaces. But as we just sang, he was born in a lowly manger where there was no room for him. And we thank you, Jesus, for coming for such as us. We coming as for sinners like us, we who have fallen short of your glory. Lord, we all confess, we all confess that we lose sight of what it means to live for your glory. And we live, I live for my own pleasure, for my own glory, uh, for my own circumstances. And instead, Lord, you sent one who, had, who said, I came down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And he is our Savior. 
living the life we should have lived, dying the death we deserve to die, and we praise him. We thank you, Jesus, that you enter into our sufferings, our fears. You took our sin upon yourself. We do pray for those in our congregation who are hurting. We pray for Mike Rant as he continues to battle the recurrence of cancer. Oh, Lord, we, we commit our friend and brother to you and ask you to strengthen him. We thank you for Jim Park, and we ask, Lord, that you strengthen him after this surgery to, uh, to repair his to torn Achilles tendon. We pray for our friend Susan Barber and for all in our church who have lost loved ones. Think of Kathy Traeger, whose friend died uh, recently, O oh Lord. And so the holiday season for some is painful and hard. Help us to bless and encourage those who are struggling with genuine sympathy and empathy and love. O oh Lord, if we come to your table after the sermon today, we come and we feed on you. We pray you would prepare our hearts to eat and drink Christ. And as your word is preached, would you help us to listen with a teachable spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to receive our weekly collection uh, at this time. Jamal, you, you have to leave right after this, so you won't be here after the service. Um, um, uh, Ida, are you going to help us out after the sermon and play the keyboard for us? Good, she's here. She's going to do that. So we're, we're happy about that. This is a song uh, called Be Ye Glad. It's a great song in a, for, a, for, for people who live in a troubled world about the reason why we have gladness in our hearts. Book of Ruth. This is our final study together in the Book of Ruth, and you will find the text for, your, for our sermon on the back of your sermon outline. And you will recall that as the Book of Ruth presses on, she and Boaz are married, and she is redeemed, and Elimelech's property is redeemed by Boaz. And the blessing of the Lord is upon them. And now the people of Bethlehem respond, beginning in chapter 4, verse 11. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may His name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you, is more 
and is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. So ends our reading of the book of Ruth. Ancestors. Do you know who yours are? Do you know where you came from? Who are your people? I'm not clicking here, Roz. This is the picture of Joseph Yenchko, my grandfather, and Mary Ritko, who together raised Andy, George, Mickey, Johnny, Joey, Stevie, Peggy, and Annie. They came through Ellis Island, became citizens here in America, and I was blessed with many nephews and nieces that, flew, that flowed from Andy, George, uh, Mickey, Johnny, Joey, Stevie, Peggy, and Annie. My dad is on the far left-hand side. And this was about 1929. My dad grew up. He married my mother, Sue Van Dyke. For 14 years, they had no children, and then poof, they had twins. That's my twin sister, Susan, uh, my little sister, who was bigger than me for many years. And that was around 1962. Though some would dispute that, I eventually grew up And here's my family and my son, Andrew, on the day that he graduated from Grove City College, along with his sister, Charlotte, and Nina, my wife. And Andrew has a girl, little Evelyn Marie Yenchko. And one generation passes life to the next, and these people are remembered. They are remembered. Ancestors. There's one thing I haven't told you about the book of Ruth. In the months that we've been studying it, in a very real sense, I believe that the whole book of Ruth is about the very last word. The whole book of Ruth is about David, King David. Now, this will be a surprise to some of you. But most of what I learned about the book of Ruth comes from uh, Professor Alan Groves at Westminster Seminary, who was a dear friend of mine. He was an elder in our church in Philadelphia. Al is, is now deceased. He died young. But Al loved the book of Judges. And remember, Ruth starts in the time of the Judges. And so Al knew more about the time of the judges than almost anyone alive, and and he knew the book of Ruth. And one day he was talking to me, and he said what I just said to you. He said, John, the book of Ruth is all about the last word in the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth 
is about David. Now, if you've been paying attention as we've studied this, this marvelous book of the Bible, you know that this is a great story of tragedy and pain, of loneliness and danger. This is a story of friendship and extraordinary loyalty. This is a story of redemption and hope. But today, I want you to know when this book was written and why it was written. And it is very interesting. You see, in the ancient world, before a man became king, it was important for the people to know his background and his family history. And the reason we know this book was written, actually penned around the time of David, is because his name is included in the book. And so under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the true story of, of what the scholars call the true story of his birth narrative was penned for the, for the Hebrew church, the people of God, to know. Now, some of you probably have some very colorful characters in your family tree. Everybody's got an uncle a grandparent, a great-grandfather, stories galore about them. But you know, if you run for the presidency of the United States, let me tell you what will happen to that story. That story <laughs> will be on every blog and every website, you see. And the story of your strange cousin or uncle, it'll be there for the whole nation to see. We all remember Billy Carter, don't we? You know, you hear the good and the bad, you see it all. And in the ancient world, the birth narrative for any king was extremely important as people consider whether to be loyal to him. And so, the book of Ruth is really like a press release at this time in David's life. You see, if you know your Old Testament history, if you've ever read uh, the, the story of David's life, you know that after Saul's death, there was division and tension between the house of Saul and the house of David. There was tension between the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah. And the struggle for supremacy is very real at that time in, 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 the, in the Bible. And there was another man who was contending for kingship. I wonder if anyone here knows the name. Who was the name of the man who was even claimed by tribes in the north that he should be king? What was his name? His name was Ishbosheth. And already some had anointed Ishbosheth in the tribes of the north. But you know that the great and mighty prophet Samuel came years before and he found the sons of Jesse and he came to this little shepherd boy. And Samuel anointed David and said, This one shall be the king. Of Israel. Why should Israel accept David as their king? You see, you have to know at that time there was gossip, even as there is today. And men would whisper to another, Did you know that David comes from a Moabite? No, really. It is true. David comes from a Moabite. Oh, really? Did you know David comes from a Moabite? 
And what does the house of David do as this rumor swirls all around them? The hated Moabites are uh, their enemies. Do they, what, what do politicians do today? Deny, deny, deny. But you see, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the birth narrative of David is given what is true, true, and true. And so when the fans of Ithbosheth raise the Moabite question, the friends of David will answer, oh yes, it's true. But what a Moabite she was. Do you know the story? This is the woman who would not take no for an answer, but leaves her family and her gods and tastes the grace of God, and she says, yes, Naomi, your God will be my God. This is a woman who has come to our Jehovah, and this is a woman filled with grace and strength and chesed love, loving kindness like no other. And so, Ruth and Boaz in the family line of David are elevated head and shoulders above uh, uh, as people of honor. And the women in our passage, they celebrate Ruth. Point number two, Ruth will be like Rachel and Leah. Ruth will be like Tamar, who bore Perez in the house of Judah. Okay, what does that mean? The women exclaim, be like Rachel and Leah. Who are Rachel and Leah? Does this mean anything to you? Rachel and Leah are the mothers of Israel. The twelve tribes came from her. Is it possible that a Hebrew dynasty will flow from a Moabite? And then there's this other name, this Tamar. Who is she? Does anyone know? Do you remember Tamar? The reference to her is fascinating. Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Judah. And you may know if you read the book of Genesis, it's a long and sordid story. But eventually... Tamar is granted her right of leveret marriage and to have progeny come uh, from her womb to carry on the name of her dead husband. And what does she do? Does anyone know? She tricks Judah. Finally, after his refusal and refusal, she tricks Judah into impregnating her because he failed to provide a a godly husband for her. And what is the result of that pregnancy? She has twins, one of whom is Perez, mentioned in this text. And Perez becomes the head of the leading family in Judah and an ancestor of who? Of Boaz. And the parallel, you see the parallel. Don't you love the Old Testament here? The parallel between Ruth and Tamar, two women of audacious courage. Two women of righteousness. Two women of love. And they both become a fountain of a dynasty. But you see, it's even deeper than this. In this magnificent book that we've come to love, 
there's something you might miss here at the end of the book that you must not miss. It's very important here. It's actually the dynamite in the argument for David over Ishbosheth. It's in the genealogy. And we would pass over the family tree. Look at the line going backward. It goes all the way back to Perez. One more time. Who was Perez? Well, he's the son of Judah. What's so special about Judah? And you remember what Moses penned in Genesis 38, or Genesis 49, I'm sorry, where Moses records the prophecy, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Who is the one to whom the scepter is promised? It is Judah and his descendants. Ah, yes, Perez, the son of Judah, in the line of Obed, who is the great-grandfather of David. And so David is from the kingly tribe. It's right there in his family tree. He doesn't make false claims like Ishbosheth. And David's ancestors are filled with honor and dignity as well as the rightful heirs to the throne. And as you know, you read through First and Second Samuel, you see that God keeps His promise, and David is, becomes beloved in Israel, and he is crowned their king. And God makes a covenant with David that his throne will last how long? Forever. Has God kept that promise? Indeed, He has. How has He done it? For the New Testament explains it clearly to us that the royal family tree of David brings Jesus, the Messiah, to us. If you've ever wondered, why does God include these little tiny books in the Bible? Why is Ruth included in the whole Bible? What function does it have outside of getting David crowned king? Oh, my friends, it teaches us that God is faithful to His promises. And the great story that unfolds thus far to David will unfold all the way through Jesus Christ and beyond. This book, as we've seen, is pregnant with these New Testament realities. Grace coming to those excluded by the law. Grace. And we read of a Redeemer who pays back the redemption price for those who cannot pay it. We read of clean water and good food that come to the thirsty and the starving. What are all these things? These are pictures of the greater Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who Himself is the bread of heaven. Is Jesus the bread of heaven for you? Of Jesus, who is the water of life, is it Jesus who you've learned will slake the thirst of your soul? Is it Jesus who is the Redeemer, who has purchased you with His blood and made you a citizen in the family of God? Even the location of Obed's birth points forward to Jesus, doesn't it? The location is in what village? 
the town of Bethlehem, that becomes the city of David, that city where our Savior was born. And the prophets said, they read it to us last week, for out of you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, there's Judah again, out of you will come the ruler over Israel. And the very first page of the New Testament, no, the very first verse of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1 says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And when Paul the Apostle begins the magnificent book of Romans and he wants to establish the credibility of Jesus Christ, he says, the gospel of God concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the magnificent thread of God's faithfulness, recorded through all these authors of the Bible. And when Jesus is closing out the Bible at the end of the book of Revelation, do you know the last chapter of the book of Revelation, when, when, when God finally gives us this last word from Jesus, and, and uh, Jesus comes and He says in, in glory, Revelation 22, verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and descendant of David, the bright and morning star. This, my friends, is our Jesus. The book of Ruth teaches us, as my friend Al Groves would say to me, Al says, John, Ruth was the ancestor to the very one whose life and death made grace possible for her. Did you, do you get that? She is the ancestor to the Redeemer whose blood was shed to purchase you and me and to bring us to God. Do you believe this today? This is not just history. This is life or death for you and me. Do you know the greater son of David as your personal Savior? The entire flow of history leads to the cross where He redeems His people. Are you one of them? Are you in the family of God? You see, this leads to point number four. You come to Christ, and then you become a part of the royal family tree, bringing Christ to the world. You see, the book of Ruth, tiny little short four chapters, way in the beginning of the Bible, the, be the book of Ruth is a part of the grand story of the entire history of God's redemption. And you are a part of the same story. That's why God kept the book of Ruth in the Bible. It wasn't just about getting David anointed as king. It tells us that you and you and you and you are a part of the same story. And Ruth is no longer the player in this story anymore. You are. Al Groves was not just a great Old Testament scholar. He was also a scholar of 
uh, great literature, and he loved the writing of J.R.R. Tolkien. And I remember this day uh, we were together, and he's describing the Lord of the Rings to me. And, and he tells, uh, he told me the story out, I'll never forget this, out of the second book in, in, the, in the trilogy. And you remember that Sam and Frodo are headed into very great danger to, into the darkness and the land of Cirrus Ungol, and darkness threatens to take over the world. And they are laboring, but they, 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 to, to carry themselves on, they tell themselves the old tales, right? The great stories from of old. And they remember the story of the Cimmeril, the Cimmeril, which is the light, the light of the gods that the Lady Galadriel put into a tiny little glass vial called the, the, the vial of Galadriel. And, and Frodo's wearing it around his neck. And as they are talking about the ancient and beautiful stories of the Cimmeril, Sam looks as Frodo, you're carrying the light of the Silmaril. We are a part of the same tale. Master Frodo, do these tales never end? And Frodo says, no. These tales never end. People come and go as they play their part, and you and I are now playing our part, and our end will come later or sooner. And they comfort each other with these words. And this is why the book of Ruth, the great tale of old, is still calling us to participate today in the extension of the kingdom of God here on the north shore of Long Island. This is so important for you to believe. Do you feel it? You're a part of something big and beautiful. When I get to heaven, I'm going to stand in line in order to talk to Ruth. A lot of people are going to want to talk to Ruth. Maybe you'll get in that line. I'll say, Ruth, what was it like for you that day when Obed was born? And she'll say, it was amazing. I knew again that the hand of Jehovah was upon me, but I never dreamed the magnitude of what effect it would have around the world. And you, some of you, you do not know yet the magnitude of the impact of your life in this world. You just don't know. But as we sang, you are timeless and part of a puzzle. God is weaving you. He's weaving us. North Shore Community Church, He's weaving us into His plan to redeem the world. You might be a great nobleman of wealth, You might be a destitute widow. God is going to use you. Do you believe that today? In His grand design. I think of my own spiritual family tree, people who helped lead me to Christ. Not my physical ancestors. But in 1974, some preacher named Greg led a woman named Erica to Christ. And Erica witnessed powerfully to me. 
But she didn't lead me to Christ. She planted these seeds inside of me. In 1948, a man named Hubert Brom was studying in, in a university next to a man named Bill Bright. And this was the very night that Bill Bright got in his heart the vision to found Campus Crusade for Christ. And he and Hugh prayed together for the glory of God. Uh, in 1975, Hugh Brom knelt down with me in his office and led me to Christ. It's my spiritual family tree. Who's in your spiritual family tree? I have a vision for us as a church of expanding the genealogy that flowed from uh, Boaz to Obed to Salmon to Nashon down to David. I have a vision for us being used to grow the family of God. Who, be, who comes in the family of God? John 1 verse 12. Listen and see if you hear yourself in this. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Who is in your family tree? You see, there's you at the base of this tree. But then there are the people in your web of relationships that you lead to Jesus Christ, physical family, friends where you live and where you work and where you play. Love these people. Share Christ with these people. Invite these people to know Jesus so that it's not just Nashon and Salmon whose names are written in the generations of Perez, but who else is written in the book? See, the Bible has frightening things to say about the book and encouraging things to say about the book. In Revelation 20, verse 15, hear me well. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So where do you want your name written? You want your name written in the book of life. And your name is written there through union with Jesus Christ. In Revelation 3, verse 5, Jesus says, The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Jesus says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. So, these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David. David fathered Jesus Christ. And now, Jesus has brought you into the family line and written your name in the book. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this book of life. And we are so grateful that as these names are recorded in the Scriptures, Lord, our name is written in the book of life. If there is someone here who says this morning, I'm not sure that my name is written in the book of life. What should I do? 
then would you right now humble yourself and say, O Lord, I receive Jesus as my Savior. I believe in Jesus as my Savior. And as Naomi, as Ruth said to Naomi, your God shall be my God. pray that. You can let me know afterwards. We will celebrate the glories of conversion here among us. And now, Lord, as we take communion, we pray that you will again be to us the bread of heaven and the, the wine of the Spirit and the washing in the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.